0: Hi, I'm Paul Stringfellow and welcome to Tech Interviews. This week we get ourselves in a state as we discuss the state of the data nation. So settle back, enjoy the show. Hi, and welcome to Tech Interviews. Uh, so on this week's show, we're going to do something that I like to do a couple of times a year, and just take uh, take a view of the the data market, the uh, the data industry, uh, just to kind of get an update on on where it is right now, where some of the technology trends are heading, and, uh, and some of the things that, that people working in uh, in our industry and are architecting IT solutions, some of the things that they they should be considering as as we as we plan for our, our longer term strategies. So I always like to try and find somebody who knows the industry and. And kind of knows uh, uh, the wide picture and, and how it's uh, how it's looking and where it's going. Uh, so this week, really, really fortunate to be joined by uh, such a such an individual um, and somebody who's very well known to the uh, technology analyst industry. And that's uh, Howard Marks. Hi, Howard. Hi, how are you?
1: Hello, Paul. Well, I'm I'm glad that this is radio, so you can't see me blush.
0: <laughs> uh, well, it's uh, you know indeed a, a luminary of the uh, of the analyst industry, um, and and somebody that you know many many listeners in this show may well have come across in in a number of uh, guises in the past, and we'll we'll kind of um, get on to them. Um, so, but before we start and before we take a, a look at the industry and, and where it's heading, uh, why don't you introduce yourself, Howard? Tell people who you are and uh, what it is you do for for those who've never heard of you.
1: Sure, um, I'm Howard Marks, um, not the cannabis smuggler, the other one. <clears throat> the cannabis smuggler he passed away sorry, unfortunately um and i am you know what we call an industry analyst which basically means that i uh, pontificate about storage and run a test lab where we run storage systems through their paces uh, i spent 30 years as a consultant including a stint with deloitte and touche and was writing articles for magazines starting with pc back in 1987 to help publicize the consulting business. And about six years ago, I made the transition to working with the industry directly as an analyst.
0: Yeah, so so that's um so, so you know that, that's obviously a, a broad and, and experienced background and, and no doubt you've seen um, a, a lot of change o, over that period um, I think for a lot of us right now we, we tend to look at this market and think that the industry is changing as as quickly as ever at the moment um, you know and, and, and as exciting as it's ever been I think with with some of the changes <coughs> that we're seeing um so you know so kind of on our experience and, and, and putting on that that hat that that works with the industry and is, is looking at how the the, the industry is going at the moment yeah. What what are some of the things that you're seeing? What what are some of the, the the common challenges, common things that you're seeing in the that kind of data market?
1: Well, but before we before we move into that, I just want to talk about the rate of change a little. The infrastruct the infrastructure world moves in waves. And so we had a mainframe wave and then we had a mini computer wave, and the each of those lasted 10 or 15 years. The PC wave has lasted 30 years. And so we kind of got accustomed to a slower rate of change. Flash and solid state storage, at least on the storage side, have been making the PC wave much more rapid change than we saw for 10 years or so back there in the 90s. Um, And we've also got the cloud wave, which is interesting in and of itself, but I don't Pay much attention to because I'm a plumber and that's just yeah. water as a service.
0: So, so I mean, to, to, uh, so that's an interesting point, and I, and I think it's, it's something that's crossed my mind a few times. Is that you know because I think we do look at this and think, oh, the rate of change is is so rapid. Uh, so, it's an <clears> interesting <throat> thing. Is it is it more the amount of change that's going on with things like you say, you know, the, the the storage industry with things like flash are making a huge change, and no doubt we may well get on to things like NVMe as well. Um, but it's also some of those other things. It's it, it, it's kind of the power of compute. It's the uh, in, integration of cloud into kind of everyday life. It's, you know, the way we want to analyze data and things like that. Is it, is it multiple waves that's making it feel like it's changing quicker rather than the waves moving more quickly themselves?
1: Well, the underlying technology, the most basic part, um, is actually slowing down. You know, Moore's law isn't as effective as it used to be. So that you know we're doubling compute capacity every you know, 22, 23 months instead of every 18 months like we used to. Um, but what really happens is the chip capacity increases according to Moore's law. And then all of a sudden somebody says some, somebody realizes something which was impractical 10 years ago is practical now because we have eight times as much compute power as we had 10 years ago. And so things like big data analytics are, you know, the whole definition of big data analytics was uh, ways we analyze data that was too big to analyze the old way. And that becomes cost effective because the cost of compute and the cost of storage comes down. Uh, So there's a constant motion, but the relationship between the pieces of the infrastructure and the applications tends to stabilize for a while. And then some new idea comes around that drives a significant change. And once client-server started in the mid-90s, it was 2010 or 2015 before there were any new ideas. And those new ideas were Flash and Cloud.
0: Yeah, and and I suppose it's those. um, It's really interesting that idea of um, you know other things driving capability. So you know that idea that now we've got you know, maybe we look at and we've got enough compute to, be, to now do things that we couldn't dream of doing 10 years ago. And, you know, and you're here in the industry now talking about the way that compute technology is going to go and that we're actually going to be able to solve problems that modern compute could never solve. But we're talking about solving in a, in a matter of days. Um, and, and and obviously cloud does play a part of that. And uh, like you say, you know, water is a same plumbing. Um, but, but do you think that um, cloud is affecting all all areas of the way that we look at kind of, uh, particularly the data industry. You know, they're, 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 let's look at kind of, of where you spend a lot of your time. Well, I suppose, looking it at. is
1: it is because it always provides an alternative.
0: Hmm.
1: It if storage on S three is two cents per gigabyte per month, and my internal costs are forty cents per gigabyte per month, then there's a disconnect, and the fact that the cloud's there and that. The marketing department who wants to store digital images, you know, digital versions of every commercial they've ever run and therefore needs four petabytes of data and you're gonna build them back knows how much Amazon's gonna charge them. So so, you know, the the l- simplest effect of cloud is that it provides you can't be stupid about spending money because you'll look expensive to the internal customers.
0: So is it, um, It's because I've, I've been looking at something today, actually, on, on this very topic about, you know, the use of cloud as a place for your data, you know, cloud as storage. Um, and, and I think it brings up some interesting challenges. But, I, I mean, looking at the way you look at the industry at the moment, I mean, is, is cloud almost the thing that's shaping the storage industry, the data industry, more than anything else at the moment? You know, is, is that how you see it or, or, or are there other drivers? Well, it it, de-
1: it depends how you look at it. Um, from the user point of view, it is. And, you know, all of our applications for data management are adding, you know, and you can clear it and you can tier to object storage. And if you need petabytes of object storage, that's in pe- object storage in your data center. And, and if you need terabytes of object storage, that's object storage in some public cloud provider. Um, but you know we're we're all making that change um, and you know don't underestimate the effect of saas especially in the mid market you know there are there are whole skill sets that i just wouldn't recommend anymore you know i was an, you know i was an exchange administrator with the first version of exchange which microsoft of course numbered 4.0 um but I would not recommend that an organization today bring, you know, set up an in house exchange system and have full time exchange administrators for, you know, most organizations under 1500 total mailboxes. That, you know, the skill set of running Exchange just isn't worth having in house anymore. We use Office
0: 365. Uh, And do you see that actually as a, um, because, you know, I know we've all kind of come across the, the concepts of the, the death of the storage administrator. You know, did, did you see that actually as a problem right now for, um, you know, for people who are designing the way that they manage data in their organizations? Is that a problem right now? Is Or is that is that overestimating the, um, you know, the demise of the storage administrator?
1: Well, it depends what you view the job title of storage administrator as being. Um The knowledge you needed 15 years ago to be a storage administrator to take an application's demand for IOPS and convert that into RAID levels and how many spindles and all of that stuff is just not necessary anymore. Any modern storage array today can manage data placement better than any human being. And so all of those skills are obsolete. But storage administrator as a function, has to shift from I provision storage, I make sure we have enough storage, to I protect the data. I'm in charge of paranoia because nobody but the storage administrator really understands the scale of the calamity of a storage failure. You can fail as a system administrator and have to rebuild the system. And you can fail as a network administrator, take the whole network down for three days. And in both of those cases, you go, oh my God, I screwed up. I'm going to lose my job. If you're the storage administrator and the system says drive 27 failed and you change out drive 14 instead, you've just crashed the database and lost the The data. It's going to be three days to bring the database back up from a backup, but you will never be completely okay again. And the storage administrator goes, Oh my God, I screwed up. I'm going to put the company out of business. And you still need somebody who understands that, who says, No, do not run the ERP that runs the whole company on an HCI system in one rack. With N plus one data protection, because if power to that rack fails, the whole company is going to go down. Distribute it, do higher data protection, have some offsite facility in place. That's the kind of thing storage guys need to shift their concerns about. And they need to stop thinking about blocks of data that are virtual disks and start thinking about what's in that data and how do we understand so, that.
0: Data. I, I, I think I think there's a whole interesting topic actually around this kind of idea of simplification, and I think there is a concern sometimes that you know the big the big cloud providers, the AWS, the Azure's, the you know, IBM's, Google's, etc., have made that consumption of technology seem a thing that's so straightforward that I think sometimes that organisations will look at that and think it's dead easy why do i need specialist skills why don't these things just work um and and i think that can be a real challenge because the complexities often get lost and that even includes the complexity of if i'm going to put everything in aws it's a complex thing to build and to deliver your entire infrastructure on even though it looks like in theory that i go to the marketplace put my credit card details in and now i've got services um um, do do you see that that shift to simplification as a problem for vendors particularly or you know is, is that something they're welcoming
1: well it's a problem for cios because it's the executives who are looking at consuming it and seeing that google and amazon and microsoft are making consuming it much easier and they're thinking that if consuming it is easy then producing IT must be easy. And the CIO has to go, yeah, it's very easy to do simple things in AWS or Google Cloud Platform, but we don't do simple things. And this is a a concept that young guys have a real problem with. I remember Delta Airlines had an outage because They lost power to the data center and Twitter was all abuzz with, well, I mean, I use Zerto and I can fail over to my DR site in 15 minutes. Why can't Delta? And that's because you don't understand the complexity of an airline ticket reservation system where every seat on every flight for the next year is an independent record in a mainframe in-memory database. And no, you can't synchronously replicate it to another data center because the latency that adds means that that your website won't be responsive enough. So some things are just hard, and you know, providing ni- five nines of availability is hard in Amazon, just like it's hard in your four data centers, because you have to move data around so that when something fails, you can react around it. So you know, I I see the problem as as one of you know CIOs educating other execs and and you know ultimately the way I would do that is you know if I was at general motors to say driving a car is easy making a car is hard we do the hard part amazon lets you drive your it it doesn't make your it for you i, I think that
0: um I, I think that idea there is uh, you know of of complexity and i i think it's a really important point because i i was with a um a storage company talking to some of their execs a, a couple of months ago and one of the things that i took away from that was that i think for us as consumers of technology consumers of storage or consume you know or people who want to put our data in places that i think we often look at this and go this is dead easy you know you you build some controllers you put some software on it you buy some you know you use flash or you use nvme but actually as they were talking about their plans for four and five and six years in the future you suddenly realize just how complicated some of these decisions are Um, and and, and do you think uh, yeah well and and everything's easy
1: till you try and do it (laughs) yeah you know it's like well it's easy i'll take a few servers and some ssds and i'll just build a distributed file system to run over them well just build a distributed file system is like i'll just run an iron man triathlete triathlon every day for the next month it's way easy to say it's really hard to do
0: well so so do you think this kind of um i I, I mean so we're talking about some of the complexities of uh technology and some of the complexities of of kind of you know how we design data platforms so you know so so looking at at the industry right now you know what, what are the what are the kind of complex challenges that they are dealing with you know what are the you know the top two or three things that you see the data industry having to wrestle with right now
1: well uh, one is volume that you know it it's cliche to say we're drowning in data but the quantity of unstructured data that's being created and the secondary effect of big data analytics which is everybody thinks that there's value in everything so we shouldn't throw anything away um, means that you know not only do we have millions and millions of files but we have to be able to find the value in them and so you know all sorts of of data management, you know, where I'm not talking about bits data, but I'm talking about a much higher level abstraction, um, becomes really necessary. And we're just starting to see that. Um, I would really love to see good corporate class solutions that integrate file services and sync and share so that that's not, two completely separate repositories and the files, you you may have copies of the same file in two places, but they're not the same. Uh, you know, things like that uh, bother me substantially. I, I think there's a lot to do in the file side. Um, NVMe is going to give us a whole nother, you know, it's just the second supercharger. And so I'm not really concerned about the performance side nearly as much as I am about managing the, the information as
0: opposed to the data. And um, so, is, is there any things that? And I, I I couldn't agree more. Actually, I think that that, that certainly the conversations that, that I tend to have with people, the focus is around data management. I mean, it goes back to some of the things we talked about earlier that people assume that data platforms are real easy. So, can not just plug that in and let me put stuff somewhere? Um, because their focus is around a couple of things that you've just mentioned. One is how do I manage all of this stuff? You know, I think the drowning in data, you know, as is, is like you say, is as easy as it is for all to say. I think the the reason it's easy to say is that there's a lot of truth in that we're, we're drowning in that and we're going to be creating more of it as we look at more data coming from edge devices iot fitbits you know whatever whatever it might be whatever way sensors whichever things we're using to collect data we're just going to collect more of it and you're right in that organizations are looking at saying there must be value in everything let me i want to take that and feed it into a cloud provider who's going to give me business analytics on, on all of those things um so, so are you seeing any um are you seeing ways that the, the data industry is now looking at this and saying, yeah? How, how do we help organizations to manage their data better or is that being left to kind of third-party software companies to, to come and add that value
1: it there there you know there there have been a couple of attempts um you know data gravity was kind of a a, a good example of you know let's put the data management and the nas in one appliance um the market has never really been very accept- you know that the, the the problem from my point of view is i've been looking at third party solutions for files analytics and file management 30 years you know we had you know there are tools that are around now from companies like northern parklife that have been around since the netware era but they've never gotten any substantial usage and you have you know large organizations 40 netapp fass um, and no real idea of you know down to the file where things are how many times have you seen the accounting department closing the month with a spreadsheet that's stored in sarah's home directory and sarah hasn't worked here in years <laughs>
0: yeah, and and, and that, that's even more humorous cuz my wife's called sarah um, and 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 she she yeah she oh. <laughs> she looks after all the money so um yeah that that that's that's true than it sounds but um <laughs> Yeah, and actually that idea that, uh, you know, the technology industry is something that's based on, I think, you know, we talked about waves right at the start. And, of course, the idea that we look at some yes. of these things and we've seen before, you know, this idea that we were almost talking about this kind of information lifecycle management, the idea that, you know, from cradle to grave for, for a bit of data and, and, and how we manage that. And I think some of that's been driven today by compliance requirements, organisations going back and, and looking at some of these things and saying, yeah, actually, we need to revisit that. We need to revisit what we do, why we collect the data, what we do with it while it's alive, and what we do with it when we're finished. Yeah, and un-
1: unfortunately, I've seen too much compliance officers end up not evaluating data, but mm-hmm. just saying, save it. You know, The book says we have to save it, and if we have any questions, let's save it. Um, U.S. Tobacco was a consulting client of mine back in the day, and as you can imagine, for a tobacco company, they were sued on a regular basis. And by the time I got there, the uh, lawyers ran the company and there was a, we shall keep everything forever policy because all of our sins have been exposed in previous lawsuits and we would rather drown guys in CDs of data than ever say we deleted that due to our deletion policy. And even for a small company like U.S. Tobacco, that ultimately became – and we're storing stuff nobody's ever going to be able to access,
0: you know,
1: files on optical discs in Multimate format when nobody's used Multimate as a word processor since 1985. You know, you you meet the legal requirement of you did retain that data, but it's not useful.
0: So, so, um, so it's it's an interesting and, and something that we, um. We, we touched on earlier on was this this kind of impact of cloud and I know we, we've kind of ended up speaking a little bit because of some of the way that we've kind of met through some some joint work we've done at, at NetApp in the past so um, uh, one of the things that that they talk about an awful lot and I, and I don't want to talk about NetApp specifically here but one of the things they talk about like this idea of uh, their data fabric the idea that we are we want to start to integrate our data into multiple repositories so that might be a little bit on-prem a little bit maybe in a a, you know a a data center somewhere a a colo and then also want to be able to absorb in things like aws and azure and google and and etc i mean is that is that something that you see the industry dealing with at the moment something that cios of organizations are looking at and
1: we're we're just getting started Hmm. um you know when, when i look at a data fabric and and you know, netapp's not the only vendor well not not even the only client of mine as a vendor that that uses that term um, there's a couple of problems that need to be solved and you know one of them is reducing the level of data management you know the filer is the original server you know for most organizations the first server that came in the door was a network file server and file servers and filers are essentially the same thing. Um, But that filer only serves users who are, you know, within some relatively low latency connection to it because SMB and NFS are chatty protocols that are designed for low latency environments. But some of that data needs to be accessible in every one of my offices. So we've got location problems, We've got, I need to back up that filer every night problems. We've got long-term retention problems and backup and long-term retention really should be very different problems to address. So a data fabric where every time somebody creates a file, they get an SMB connection that lets them treat it like it's a standard file server or filer, but that data nightly the new files get posted up to S3 where they're stored as objects and I get my long-term retention. Now I don't have to back the thing up. If there was some process running in the cloud that let me access that same data via sync and share, now I don't need Dropbox anymore and I've got one authoritative repository. Um, Some of that data is logs that I want to analyze in Hadoop, but I don't do enough Hadoop to need to maintain a Hadoop cluster and two Hadoop administrators in my data center. So I fire up an EMR job every weekend to analyze that data. That makes a lot more sense than the way we've done things traditionally. You know, I'd, I'd love to see the industry, and by industry here, I mean the customers, not the vendors, because vendors will sell what customers want to buy eventually. Um, but I'd love to see customers realize what I really want is one repository that protects itself, is accessible from all the places I want to to have that data accessible, and retains data based on policies.
0: Yeah, and I, and I think that, that you know that I think that's a. It's an extremely valid point because uh, because I think that's that is a challenge that that CIOs are are looking at. You know, they see the uh, capabilities of cloud, they see the amount of data they've got, they they see the the, the interesting things potentially they can do with analytics, AI, whatever whatever it might be. And it's how you start to tie all those things together, and I think that that is a, a, a real challenge for, for organisations. You know, how do you make that work while retaining control of your data, maintaining your compliance, maintaining your security? Because I think the idea that we just shift all that into an S3 bucket in AWS and let AW, you know, like you said, run an EMR job against things, but I still that data is still mine. I still need to be able to retain some some level of control, and I think that's that that is a real challenge. Um,
1: well, governance is always yeah.
0: a problem. Yeah, I, I mean, I think the um, I, you know, I, 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 you know, I think as we kind of run a little bit to the end of our time here, I, I think one of the things I, I did want to kind of pick your brains around is that if I'm somebody who's involved in strategic decision making for my IT and, and kind of listening to this show, you know, what are some of the things that you're seeing right now? Some of the new technologies, some of the trends that that I should be considering if I if I'm a CIO, kind of planning my data strategy for the next couple of years.
1: Well, I, I think I would very much be looking for th- what we today are calling cloud, but isn't necessarily public cloud oriented, but changing your data repository from multiple islands to one large managed pool uh, with almost definitely with object storage at the center. Just because storing large amounts of data for long periods of time is what object storage does well. Um, On the other end of things, NVMe is the hot new thing and is going to change the world substantially. But the question as a CIO you have to ask yourself is, do I need more performance than today's all-flash arrays provide? If you do, you should be looking at NVMe very closely. If an all-flash array is satisfying your requirements today, Give NV- NVMe a couple of years to mature. Uh, there are some very fast products. There are some products with a lot of services. We haven't yet reached a lot of products that are very fast with a lot of services. And so NVMe may be you know, not ready for prime time this year, but 2020 is probably the, you know, when you start going. And this new class of applications. And speaking of new classes of applications, we are in for some rude awakenings in the 2020 timeframe. When Intel can ship 3D cross-point DIMMs in volume, um, in-memory databases start becoming very interesting. And that's going to give us a whole nother round of this. We could never do this fast enough at a cost that made sense before but we can now
0: Uh, and i guess that that opens up a problem because that 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 idea of uh, kind of in-memory databases opens up a whole the problem around but how do i maintain that storage in some kind of central repository maybe you don't want to you know as you say as you kind of re-architect the way no yeah that the the very
1: fastest thing you do in the data center is always an island yes Um, and, and so that, you know, there's, and we're going to run these applications on an in-memory database like HANA and the system we run them on is going to have 10 terabytes of 3d cross point per node that stores the data. And it's just, it's its own Island.
0: And, and, and do you think that that's going to be the challenge in itself, that how do you, how do you take advantage of that without uh, ending up with lots of islands of individual storage, lots of islands of individual compute? Or do you think people will just want to go down that room and say, heck, I just need the performance, I don't care?
1: See, I, I don't object to multiple islands of storage for purpose, And what we're really talking about here is continuing a trend that's been going on in the data center for the past few years, um, which is breaking things up into pods for purpose. I mean, if you look at Oracle's Exadata, we're talking about the SAP equivalent of that. It's a converged platform that's a database server. It may hold a lot of databases, but it's a database server, and it's got its own dedicated storage for that. The mainframes always had its own dedicated storage. Um, but but in the, the world we play in most often, you, know, you look at things like hyperconvergence, whether the, the NetApp version or even the older uh, vBlock version. I have 10,000 VMs I'm going to run. I don't have one huge storage system. I have pods, and there's 16 hosts in a storage system and 16 hosts in a storage system. And that storage system may be physical at the bottom of the rack, or it may be, you know, vSAN running across the 16 nodes. But each of those is a separate pool of storage. And most yeah. importantly, a separate failure domain
0: and and i suppose you say that 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 kind of goes back to the um you know that this stuff is not necessarily straightforward because even that that kind of thing around failure domains in in how you ensure the availability of your data and the availability of your applications you know i think sometimes again if we oversimplify we want everything in one box then that becomes that, that single failure domain and you know and i think as as we all know the organizations today just won't tolerate downtime in a way they might have done even 5 years ago you know so, so right. i think that's that's a big challenge. Well, but, but fairly like, domain I,
1: management is just as important in AWS as it is in your data center.
0: Yeah, yeah and, and again, I think that that goes back to this idea that, that that I think people misunderstand how complex an AWS might be because they don't consider that they just assume Amazon make all that work. You know, and it's it's it, that's just not the reality of the of the situation, is it?
1: Well, it is if all you need is to put up a WordPress site.
0: Yeah. <laughs> Uh, ah, The the simple days of just putting up the WordPress site. Well, we'll how a lot I, 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 you know and, and I think we've only begun to kind of scratch the surface of, of where the, the kind of data industry and the, the technology industries are moving and, and some of the the trends and things that, that, that we need to look at um, but but you know, I'm aware that you you have a life um, beyond <laughs> beyond talking to me so, um, so, mm-hmm. so, so just, just to kind of wrap up um, you know so so if people are, you know want to find out a little bit more about some of the work that you do uh, or want to hassle you online to, to find out a little bit more about some of the things that you've shared today um, how can they do that? How can they find out more about you and and probably follow you on Twitter and things like that?
1: Well, if uh, you really want to abuse me online, the best place is Twitter. Uh, My handle is DeepStorageNet. DeepStorage LLC's website, DeepStorage.net, is nowadays mostly my blog. And for some reason, I've decided to go back to first principles and have been writing a long series about how disk drives and SSDs work, and how RAID works, and all of that basic stuff people keep forgetting.
0: That, that sounds like a sounds like a good resource. Um, and actually, t- talking about um, some of the other work that you do, you know, so so that's in terms of um, you know you, you work with storage vendors to ensure that they're, they're delivering the right kind of things. Is that is, is that kind of the, the, the goal of the organization? What.
1: Basically, deep storage is about two things. It's about explaining and it's about proving. So we do a lot of testing in our lab where vendors send their products and we verify that they perform the way they promise us they perform. Um, and the rest of it is explaining what goes on inside systems. And so a vendor will hire us to help them tell their story, whether that's, you know, help explain why you really want N plus two data protection, because some then some competitor has been claiming that their N plus one data protection is good enough. And let me say, no, it's not. Um, Or it may be in explaining why you want to back up your databases as databases instead of as VMs or as files.
0: So, um, well, so well, one last thing, uh, and something that I, I forgot to mention as well. Um, if, if people have enjoyed uh, enjoyed your podcasting uh, tones, um, uh, they can find you on another podcast as well. Where, where can they find you doing that?
1: Yes, Ray Lucchese, who is also a storage analyst of some advanced years, and I do a podcast, uh, Graybeards on Storage, which you can find on iTunes, and uh, it, we have a very simple format We invite a guest on and we say, so tell us about yourself and what do you do? and then we have a conversation
0: it's uh, I, I see the problem is you've shared that now nobody realizes where i got the idea for this show from so um, so that's that's my secret <laughs> blown um I, I can't recommend listening to greybeards enough i think if you work in this industry um and you're you don't have greybeards on your podcast list um you, you're doing yourself a disservice so uh, I'll, I'll make sure a link to that goes in the show notes um but Howard, look for now um I, i've abused plenty of your time so uh look, really appreciate sharing those insights into the industry and, and where you see it heading and uh, thanks for joining us and and look forward to speaking to you again soon it's been a pleasure paul who enjoyed that for show notes pop over to techstringy.com we'll also find all of our previous tech interviews episodes hey and if you enjoyed the show why not subscribe you can find us on apple podcasts soundcloud and stitcher as well as all other good homes of podcasts so until next time thanks for listening